Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your people, to be reminded of the love you have for us, but also to make it clearer for what it means for us to be your disciples, to be people who live in this world with this gift, this treasure of love you have for us. Loving Father, we pray that as we reflect on your words, your Holy Spirit does a work in us and through us, that your Holy Spirit opens our hearts and minds to accept the things from you that you have for us and to reject those things in this world that are not from you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done, and for the future you have for us. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Today our focus is being about being flavoured by Jesus. And it's, a, it's kind of on the premise that um, the more time you spend with Jesus, the stronger the flavour. And it reminds me of a, a time in my life where when I went to school, when I went to primary school, I went to a primary school that didn't have air conditioning, um, and my mum would pack a lunch, and she'd pack a sandwich lunch in a plastic container, but she'd often put a banana in there. And have a guess what happened by about lunchtime. You'd open up the lunchbox, and you'd have this strong waft of banana. Thankfully, I like bananas. But not only that, you'd take a bite of the bread, a ham sandwich, and you'd have a ham-tasting banana sandwich. The banana had affected everything that was close by. And when we take seriously our relationship with Jesus, when we look at what Jesus does, when we listen to the word, that's what happens to us. We get affected by Jesus. And hopefully we get affected in a good way. And today, Jesus, today's sermon is based on a text that's part of a, a larger message from Jesus. It started last week when Bruce preached here and he talked about the Beatitudes. That was the start of the sermon. Um, and now we go into the next part where Jesus says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And then he talks a bit about the problems of what happens to the salt that loses its saltiness. And then he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Now the interesting thing, there's a couple of interesting things with these phrases. The first thing to keep in mind is the you. Um, unfortunately in English we have you could either mean singular, you know, to a person, or it can mean plural to a group. Um, I made the mistake many years ago, because my English is not, grammar was never the best. I got up to a, at a school meeting and I said, I want all yous. And next minute, some larrikin in one of my mates said, bah! Shout. And this is what Jesus is basically saying, you as a group, right? You as a group. He's saying yous, all of you, are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And what he's meaning is both as a group but also as individuals. We are both the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And I don't know if you've picked it up or you've noticed, he's not saying you will become. He's not saying you might be or eventually you'll be. He's saying you now are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. It's a promise from God. God is saying whatever happens, you will be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I have made you that. And that's a good thing to hold on to. It's not something you earn. It's something you live out. So there's a couple of questions I'd like you to think about and ponder, not just now, but as we go through the sermon. 
um, and as we think about what it means to be the salt of the earth in our lives. What does it mean for you to live out who you are? That is, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. What does it mean for you to live 24-7 with that slogan? Imagine that I gave you a T-shirt that you were to wear for the next seven days. Right? And it says, I am the salt of the earth, I am the light of the world, as a reminder of who you are. What would it mean for you to live that out? And the second thing to think about is how has, or how is, God using you to flavour people's lives with Jesus? What are the opportunities? What are the things that you involve with? What are your, the people you're mixing with? Some of those you may mix with every day. Some of those you may mix with only randomly. What are the situations you're facing where God is using you to flavour people's lives with Jesus? You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. If you remember nothing else from today's service, I'd encourage you to remember those two phrases, that you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Now, some background to help us understand these is when it comes to salt, if you go into the Old Testament, and Jesus is not just speaking in a vacuum. He hasn't just come up with this idea, I'm just going to talk about salt. He's, there's some very strong Old Testament background to the, the thing of salt. There's both a negative and a positive, but he's talking it from the positive view. The negative um, view, if you know of um, Lot and his Lot's wife, you'll know about the pillar of salt. And that's not what he's coming from. He's talking about another thing called the salt covenant. And many believe that the idea of a salt covenant continues today, not only in um, Christian or Jewish circles, but also in Arab circles. Apparently, in some Arab circles, when you do a deal with somebody, the way you cement the deal is you eat a bunch of salt together. Some doctors would have a heart attack, wouldn't they? However, um, in the Old Testament, there's a strong link to that because they talk about the salt covenant. You know, and the salt covenant was about being reminded of God's promises. And there's a couple of places, like in Leviticus and Numbers, and, it's all, and there's a couple of other places where it talks about this salt covenant where you spread your grain with salt. You know, it's a sign that you, there's a relationship with you and God where God's going to be faithful, where you're going to be faithful. So this idea of salt having an important part in the faith journey um, is not just something new created by Jesus, it's something that comes out of and Many of the listeners would have twigged to something when he said about salt. The other thing to keep in mind is that there's two things about salt. It often changes flavour or brings out the flavour. As um, one of the kids said, they always put salt on their chips because it tastes better. Right? And I probably agree with that. Right? I always ask for a little bit. You know, Some fish and chip shops don't know what a little bit is, but I always ask for some salt because I don't really enjoy chips without salt that much. I don't know about you. My doctor probably would prefer me to have chips without salt, but that's not the tastiest thing to have. So it brings out the flavour. So keep that in mind when Jesus recalls you the salt of the earth, he's calling you to bring out flavour. 
But the other thing, and it's probably even more so in Jesus' day than in our day, is that salt has a preserving element. It is it's about adding life and giving, aiding life. Um, now, this is in our days, we've got the refrigerator. We get something home, we chuck the, the refrigerator. I don't know many people who get a, go to the butchers, buy some meat, and then douse it in salt. But if you listen to some of the stories from the early ships that came to Australia with convicts and the, the first fleets, what you hear is that their meat was doused in salt to preserve things. So when Jesus talks about us being the salt of the earth, um, it's giving us a picture of we're here to add flavour to the earth. We're here to help preserve or aid life. But the other thing to keep in mind, salt is a valuable commodity. Um, I don't think many of us would think salt is valuable, but in Jesus' day, salt was extremely valuable because of these elements. And you know the term salary, as in um, the wage you get, the salary wage? That is derived from a term that means salt money, right? Because the Romans were actually paid not in coins, but in salt, because it was so valuable. So think about those things that it means, right? That, these, that the salt of the earth means that we're here to bring flavour, we're here to bring Jesus' flavour to the world. Now, put that in the context of what he had just said, what we heard last week, which is the Beatitudes. And if you weren't here or if you can't remember, I, go, I encourage you to go home and reread um, Matthew chapter 5, the start of Matthew chapter 5, where it talks about the Beatitudes. Jesus gives a different approach to how God sees people. And that is probably one of the things that is important for us. Many people would rather say the church needs to be relevant and listen to the world and do what the world says. We're here, Jesus is reminding us to listen to him first so we can bring his seasoning, his flavour into things. Now, there are some Christians who mess this up because none of us are perfect, mess this up tremendously, and we're going to talk a little bit more about what this flavour may look like in a few moments. The other thing that Jesus talked about in the background, he talked about being the light of the world. Now, if you have been at church for some time, if you've come to a Christmas service, you'll know that we often refer to Jesus as the light of the world. In John chapter 8, verse 12, right? So when we are called to be the light of the world, we need to understand something. Our light that we carry into the world doesn't, is not self-deprived. We haven't created it ourselves. It's something that comes from God. The other thing with the light, in summary, when you look at it in the Old Testament, you see that light is often associated with darkness, a spiritual darkness, which is often a reference to salvation. So think about what that means for you, being the light of the world. Part of your calling, my calling and yours, is to help people see that there is hope with God, that God does have hope. It's to share that message that comes from John 3, 16 to 17, that God loved the world so much that he sent his son into the world to save the world and not condemn the world. So we are both salt and we are light. And the other aspect, as we, before we look at four things that this text brings out, is this. There's a biblical context. This is not a short sermon by itself. It's part of a larger sermon. We, I've spoken about the Beatitudes that Jesus introduced, which is a different way... God looks at things in a different approach and turns things upside down from many people's perspective. Then we have the salt and light, which we're focusing on today. And the other part 
The other part of today's gospel reading is Jesus reminds us that he didn't come to abolish the law. Now, there are some Christians who will pick and choose the rules of Christianity. Often they'll use, say, I'm a New Testament Christian. I don't follow anything in the Old Testament. Well, that's not what, how Jesus approached life. But what he does do is he explores further what the Old Testament rules and laws look like for a Christian today. You see, he is the fulfilment of the law not to abolish. He is the one that makes it possible for you to be judged by God but not be judged in a negative way. And what it really highlights that he is the fulfilment of the law is the last part of Matthew chapter 5 which um, brings gives a number of examples about living beyond the letter of the law. See, one of the problems Jesus had with the Pharisees was the Pharisees would go, all right, this is the law. All right, what can I do to prove that I've lived to it? What can I get away with? What Jesus does with a number of points, like murder, he said it's more than just killing people that leads to murder. And so there's this context that's going on. Jesus is calling his immediate disciples and he's calling those who are listening who want to follow him to have a broader vision than what they may be thinking of and to allow him to season who they are, to allow him to affect who they are so his good news can be shared widely. And we now know the consequences of, consequences of that. Out of 7 billion people in the world, at least 2 billion are called, to be, are called as Christians. This message has been shared, not because Jesus got around himself individually to every Christian, but because people took seriously being the light of the world and being the, being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So this text brings out four things for us to think about. And the first is that Jesus has and is flavouring us. For us to have salt to carry, for us to have a light, we need to have a relationship with Jesus. We need to have spent time with Jesus. We need to have listened to him and allowed him to affect us. When Paul's talking to the early church in Colossae, he reminds them of this. And he's been, often you'll pick this up in Paul's writings. You know, is have the mind of Christ, he'll say in another part. But into the church in Colossae, he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom all psalms, all hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And as we heard in our reading from Corinthians, you know, we take what the Spirit has given us, what God has given us, and that means having a relationship with Jesus where we regularly worship, where we regularly spend time reading his word, but not only just doing those things, but taking notice of what's being said and allowing those to affect who we are. Because there's one thing to come to church... And worship. There's one thing to read a Bible for Bible devotions, but the question is: is I encourage you to think about it, is what does this mean, and how does this impact my relationship with other people? How does this affect how I relate with others? What is the grace and the love and the mercy that I can take from God and bring into the life I live to the people I mix with? And so I encourage you to listen deeply to Jesus, to reflect on his words. And sometimes this is not going to be easy. Sometimes you're going to face situations where you go, 
oh, if I give them grace, they're just going to get a, run away with that. I want to talk a little bit about our purpose of why we focus on being the salt and the light near the end. But it's not, maybe giving grace is the very thing that you need to do in certain situations rather than give people what they deserve. Rather, give them grace and mercy and love is what they need. The second thing our text today highlights and brings out is that be who God says you are. God says you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Think about your week to come. Think about your month to come or the things you're going to be involved with. Remember, this is Jesus saying you are, not you'll become, not you have to earn your way to be this. Not This is not for some special group of people, but this is for you. You are. And God's promise is going to help you, help you be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Think about all the people you're mixing with, all the situations that might pop up, and think about how you can season people's lives with God's grace. How you can season people's lives with God's love and forgiveness. Think about how you can help people know that God doesn't condemn them, but loves them. We live in a world that has been... Um, misled about God partly by the two political extremes that exist in society and both of those give an opinion that God wants to condemn people both of those give an opinion that God's about condemnation rather about grace, love, forgiveness and mercy. And you only have to watch the news how both those extremes react to certain situations both in a very judgmental way some put their hand up and says, we've got nothing to do with Christianity because Christianity is so condemning. And the other is, if you don't follow Jesus, you go into hell. And if you do all these things and you do this and do that, do that, you go into hell. Both of those are not helpful for us. And we, but we as a church can speak into those to say, look, there's a Jesus way of looking at life. There's a way of grace, forgiveness, love and mercy. That's God's primary goal in life. So think about those situations. Now, it can have a great impact. It doesn't have to be something major. You don't have to get on your soapbox and, and stand out and do something major. Um, and what hit home to me was many years ago, in my previous occupation, I worked for an organisation that was owned by a larger organisation and we had to use some of the other departments in there. Um, and our receptionist got very ill and took time off work. And it was a mental health issue and... Um, her, our boss went around to see her to see what care we can provide as a, an organisation and help her. And she says, I want to speak to Richard and another person in, in the organisation. I thought, oh no, what have I done? Was my immediate reaction. And I went to see her and she says, I want to know how you cope with all the stress and the pressure of what goes on. There's something about you. Is it to do with you going to church? Now, I didn't think I was that strong of a Christian. I didn't go to work every week going, I'm a Christian, look how good at me. And we'd have occasional conversations about what we did on the weekend. And that's how she knew we were going to church. But there was something about the manner we approached things. Can I encourage you to think about what it may mean for you with the people you're mixing with to be God's soul, bringing his season of grace, mercy, love and forgiveness 
into the situations you're facing. And to help people see that God is a God that offers hope in a future and is the solution for that hope and future, not preventing that hope and future. So be who God says you are. The third thing that this text does highlight and reminds us is don't deprioritise who God has called you to be. Don't push it aside. It's very easy to push aside our Christian values, to push aside what it means to be Christian, to put aside grace, to push stuff aside, to give excuses, because we then have other priorities. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus, many scholars say Jesus knew exactly what he was doing here. When he, the, the, the phrase, it's no longer good for anything, is often translated in English as, it's useless. The other phrase, the word, the Greek word that's used for useless, in the New Testament, there's a, the same word is also used for foolishness. In other words, don't be a foolish Christian with your faith. Don't let your faith not to affect who you are and how you go about life, but think about what it may mean. God's grace, love and forgiveness is more important than anything else in this world. And for some people that can be hard to take, but it's important to keep that in mind. That God's eternal life that he's offering through grace, love and forgiveness is more important than anything else. And as a church, that should be our highest priority. How do we shine that in the life, into this city we live in? How do we shine that into the workplaces we're in, the places we go? How do we make clear to people that this is what Jesus is on about? And the last point is we are salt and light, not so we can get a pat on the back. We are salt and light not to feel good about ourselves because sometimes it can be hard work being salt and light in the world. We are salt and light for the primary reason of this, so others can know and worship God. Your call as a Christian, if you, if you want any one text, and you should use more than one, but if you want one text to understand, so I'm saved, what does this mean for me now? What's my purpose in life? Come to this Matthew chapter 5, and particularly Matthew 5, verse 16, which says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our call as individual Christians and our call as church is simply that, is to help others worship God. It's to be people who go out our way to help others to worship God. And sometimes that could be sacrificial. We actually make sacrifices. In some ways we don't follow what other people would make, do because they're thinking of how much money they can save or how easy they can do things. Our call is to be the salt and light in the world to help others to know and worship God. And so as we think about this text, what it means to be salt of the earth and light of the world, think about the gift God has already given you. Think about how many people have already spoken to you about God and encouraged you about God. Think about this. Who can you thank God for who has flavoured your life with Jesus? 
who has shared Jesus with you. And when I think of my life, there's been many people, a huge number of people. One of those was the CEO of that organisation I spoke about. He was a Christian, and he let people know he's a Christian, but he wasn't um, overtly Christian, but he let people know he's a Christian. But the white, he would go around and see staff. Now, what happened to him was he developed cancer of the liver but, and worked up until his second last day. And three months before he died, he was walking through our office just after hours to check how we were going, to make sure we are OK and things were OK. And what was a reminder to me about him was he said, no matter, even though his life was pretty bad because he knew he was going to die, there was no cure, instead of focusing on himself, he focused on helping others and caring for others. He showed some of God's grace and mercy and love just through his actions. So think about who can you thank God for who has flavoured your life with Jesus? Secondly, how will you keep being flavoured by Jesus? Some people say, oh, look, I, you know, I know I'm saved. I don't have to come to church occasionally. It's okay. No hassles. Right? But I can tell you when I read the newspaper, when I look at the internet, when I go to some meetings, when I'm involved in discussions with other people sometimes, you don't get the message of God's grace, love and forgiveness and that there is hope in the world. You get other messages. Oh, there's no hope. There's difficulties. There's problems. This person's evil. This person's fantastic. But it's important to be constantly flavoured by Jesus, to take time to read scriptures, to to come to worship regularly, to allow God to speak to you and to, to reflect on what Jesus is saying and to take a special notice of how Jesus approaches life. And the last thing is, how can you flavour the people in your life? How can you flavour the people in your life with God's grace, love and forgiveness? Think of both the easy times, but also the challenging things. One of the the books I read for parenting was a book called Sacred Parenting. And the writer... You know, and many people as parents kind of there's a challenge when you become parents and do things. And he made this comment, he says, Guess what? You think you're gonna teach your kids lots of stuff. Well God's gonna use your kids to teach you a lot. Especially that you need grace and forgiveness. And I think that's true. Sometimes we will live in a life where we need God's grace and forgiveness. But also remember, God has given us to us, and as another passage of the New Testament says, freely you have received, freely give. May your life be one that's led by the Spirit. May the God have an impact not only on you, but also the people around you, so that they get to truly know the God who loves them. Amen.